Well, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to hang out here. And, and we've been in this run-up to Acts chapter 1 and really to this series called Wind and Fire. It's all about following the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts. Because Acts, the book of Acts, references the Holy Spirit 50, 59 times, give or take. 59 times the Holy Spirit's mentioned in just a few chapters of the book of Acts. And 40 plus of those times he's speaking. The Holy Spirit was present when, when God breathed life into Adam and he was present when God breathed life into the church. And the Holy Spirit's paramount to, to my life and our life. It, we are a person and a people church. I just want to clarify this. We are a person and a people church, meaning we are not just about the person. We believe that whatever God does in the person is also for the people. And if it becomes just about the person, which is what I feel like is happening in our culture, where it's just becoming about the person, so our freedom of speech is just about the person's freedom of speech, and so we speak offensively to the people because it's about my freedom, not our freedom. So we don't have discourse. Why? Because it's about me and not us. And so there's a, there is a personal thing that happens, absolutely, but it must be a thing that also then gets connected to the people that it connect, God connects us to. And God doesn't really do anything outside of community. He really doesn't. Jesus calls the disciples, and what does he do? He calls two at a time. He, he goes to the people, and he goes, hey, I'm, I want you to follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. But you know what he does while he's doing that? He calls them together, and they're in a group. They're with, a, they're with other people. So it's important that we're that kind of Group and, and, and what's happening in the book of Acts is it's really our only and it's our primary example, our model of what happens when the Holy Spirit is active in your life. Paul teaches you about what the Holy Spirit should be doing and, and what Jesus has done for us. And he, he teaches you theology and doctrine and he teaches you some really heavy things, some really great things, some really incredible things. Tells you a bit more about the Holy Spirit. But it's not a, um, it's not a, a description of what Paul's life was. Paul is teaching you something. And in the Gospels we hear about Jesus. And Jesus introduces a new covenant. He does a new thing. He, 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 he does away with the law, or really better said, completes the law and then gives gives us grace to walk in a new thing. And then we have this book called Acts, where the apostles, the church is birthed, and Acts begins to follow these men and women who begin to take the message of Jesus dead and risen into the world. And it's the only time we actually just see a description of how they live. There's not really, a, uh, there's not really an emphasis on teaching about anything. It really is more a description of people who live in and with the Holy Spirit active in their life. And so it's, it's really the Holy Spirit is, how many of you go to, how many of you go to Whataburger just for the ketchup? Come on, the spicy stuff too. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. How many of you know, I, I'll just tell you this. My mom has never had the ketchup from Whataburger. What? I told you, mom, it's crazy. I told you. But she's been to Whataburger, so kudos. But, but man, I wouldn't go to Whataburger without the ketchup. And there's part of me that thinks I wouldn't even go to Chick-fil-A if they didn't have Chick-fil-A sauce. There, did you know there's 175 calories in that little packet of Chick-fil-A sauce? And every one of them tastes amazing. It's amazing what they do with those calories. But you know, there's a secret sauce. When you get in and out animal style, you get a secret sauce. And really, it's not all that secret. It's like Thousand Island with some other stuff mixed in. But, but it's not. But it's a, like if you don't get that, you don't feel like you've actually gotten what you, meant to, you were meant to get. Right? And, and, and really, the Holy Spirit has become a bit too secret of a sauce. 
I mean, really, truthfully, we all functionally, I know we know there's a Holy Spirit, but functionally, we function as people who believe in God the Father, God the Son, and a distant cousin, the Holy Spirit. But the reality of the Bible is, is that the Bible's there when God breathes into the life of Adam and gives a life. It's the same word, and we're going to talk a bit about what those words are next week. And it's the same word used in the book of Acts when, when you see the breath of God, when you see the wind of God show up. It's the same words when Jesus is talking with his disciples, that there's this breath, this wind. And so the Holy Spirit is, is so important. In fact, I believe I would say it like this, and I know this sounds, because the Holy Spirit is really more concerned with you loving Jesus than you loving him. So anytime you get to a place where the Holy Spirit is the thing we're worshiping, then we get into, we, that's when, so even the songs we were singing, we weren't singing we worship the Holy Spirit, we were singing Holy Spirit move. Do in me what you were meant to do, which is point me to Jesus. Because in the Trinity, which is a big topic, I'm not getting into it, um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the glory never rests. They're all about praising one another. So God exalts Christ. Christ brings the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus. And it just keeps going around. That's how community is meant to work is that we would just continue to lift each other up and continue to bring, you places, bring places, people to places of new authority and new encouragement and new life in my life. And so the Holy Spirit is, it might just be the most important thing for you as a believer in Jesus. Because for many of us, we can believe in Jesus and, and not engage the Holy Spirit, although the Holy Spirit is in us when we repent we, we, we walk into new life in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that is meant to point us to Jesus, gives us boldness. It's where our freedom is found. It's where the fruit is produced. It's where the gifts are given. I mean, the Holy Spirit is doing a lot of things. The problem is when we make the Holy Spirit a one trick. Like, we, we just, we just kind of go, well, he just gives gifts. No, he doesn't. Well, he just, just gives the fruit. No, mm -mm, that is not true. Well, he just, you know... He comforts me and counsels me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he does that. But that is not all he does. And he teaches me about the words that God, Jesus said and reminds me of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he does that. But he also does this. Does. So the Holy Spirit, really, most of the New Testament is talking about the Spirit of God doing in us what Jesus sent us to do and made us to become. And so we're going to talk about this wind and fire, and we've been in the Dark Horse series, and we've been in the Rumors series, and if you haven't been with us, Rumors was a series about, we want the Habakkuk prayer of God, do in us what you did among them, that we want the, the distant rumors of yesterday to become a present reality in our life, that we would see God do things in our life that, that we've heard about, but we've never seen. And then we talked last month about Dark Horses, that God does unexpected things through unexpected people. Amen? And if you, may, you may think that you're a David trying to fight a Goliath, and you may think the, the, the rocks and the sling are, are actually to your detriment. The reality is, is they, are, they are absolutely to your advantage because, because, because uh, Goliath wanted to fight you with a sword and a spear. He wanted to do things his way, uh, but God's giving you a way to do things that is different, and, and that actually confuses the enemy. And so you need to be people of prayer when everybody else is people of works. You need to be people of the word when everybody else is trying to get someone else's word for them. You need to be people that would wait on God when everybody else is trying to run to the next thing. Let us be people who do things unexpectedly so that God can do things in us unexpectedly. Amen? Yeah. All right, so Acts chapter 1. I'm finally there, y'all. I'm only 27 minutes into this. No, I'm just joking. Sure not. Has it been 27 minutes? That went fast. Time flies, man. Dear Theophilus, dear Theophilus, in my first book, now, now this is a guy named Luke. 
uh, he wrote a gospel, the Gospel of Luke. So the Gospel of Luke is not about Luke. It's about Jesus. Luke writes about Jesus. And he says that. I, I told you about everything Jesus begun. And then he writes another one. Now he's commissioned by Theophilus. So this is not a guy with an agenda. He's commissioned by a guy named Theophilus to write an account of who Jesus was and then to follow those who follow Jesus and tell the world about what he had, what he saw when, when he watched them do their thing. And so Luke is, is a, he's a, he's kind of a detail guy. He's a guy that wants to write everything down. And so he, he writes not in this kind of grandiose style. He kind of writes in the like, here's the details. Here's bullet point one. He writes like Pastor Scott Tresky. Here's bullet point point one, bullet point two, bullet point three, and then, and, and the first line has a bullet point two. There is nothing on this page that does not have a bullet point. Praise Jesus. It's amazing. In my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he ascended. So he's starting a new book here talking about some other people. Till the day he ascended to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions from, everybody say from, the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. On these occasions, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. In one of these meetings, as he was eating a meal with them, he told them, do not leave. Everybody say, do not leave. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. Do not leave until... I think these are the two primary issues with most of us as believers. We either will not stick around, or when it's time to go, we will not get moving. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we either will not wait, because things got to get done. I'm busy. I got to-dos. I got tasks. I got stuff that has to happen. I can't wait on God. Or we wait on him. And this is, hey, listen, honestly, the truth is, when we wait and we never go, that's when things get weird. No, truly, that's when, that's when things get weird. When you wait and wait and wait and God says, okay, go, and you go, no, I'm going to wait some more. Could you imagine if the disciples never went? They only waited. Like, this is not a thing that says, hey, you should wait forever. This is a thing that says, wait until God gives you what he told you he's going to give you, and then when he gives you that, man, you better go. Because there's something on what he's giving you that you need to walk with and run with because it's important. Wait on it. And I think most of us have the challenges with either waiting on God and hanging out and opening our Bible and praying and slowing down our life enough to let God speak to our hearts. And I don't think that your life is about that one hour or 30 minutes or five minutes you get with the Lord in the morning. I, what I believe it's about is that he gets a hold of your whole day because he got a, part of your, got a hold of the first part of your day. And I'm, not, and I'm not super religious about when you, if you do it before you go to bed because you wake up in the morning, you are not a nice person. You shouldn't talk to Jesus in that state. Um, but, but maybe I don't, that's not, that's not the, the whole, the point is give God a moment. Let, just wait on the Lord. Just wait on God because he wants to know you. But, 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 but let me just emphasize, once you've waited and God gives you, you know, you read something and man, it stirs up your heart. Or you just, you walk a little differently or you pray or you sit at a dinner party and God gives, and, and maybe in some moments, not every moment, but in some moments God says, hey, you need to change jobs. Or you need to move into this thing or you need to stand with courage or you need to, whatever. Do that. Do that. Some of us have allowed our Christianity to be such about the word, the, the waiting, and we, we love it so much we've never gone and we've never went. And, and so now the, that has actually trumped 
the expression of our faith. I, we, we love to say this idea that, you know, it's not about what you do, it's about who you are. And, I, and I've said that multiple times. But, but I don't think it's about one or the other, actually. I think it's about both. It's about who you are. And because of who you are, because you waited, it's about what you do. It's about how you bring God's grace and his mercy and his love and his purpose and his joy and his hope into the earth at your workplace, in your marriage, in, in every relationship, down your street. You know, wait on the Lord, but don't forget to go. Father sends you what he promised. Remember, I have told you about this before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, that means initiated, brought in, immersed in, and, and the, God tells, tells us that, that he's a consuming fire. And that sounds, <laughs> to be honest, when you read that, doesn't that kind of scare you a little bit? Like, oh, I just hear consuming fire, and I think pain. But, but the, the idea of consuming fire is he wants all of you. He wants all of you. And, and, and what we're talking about here is that the Holy Spirit is not just to be part of your religious life. It's not just meant to be part of your church life. It's not just meant to be part of your spiritual life. But really, truly, the Holy Spirit is meant to breathe into you life in every part of your life. That he is to be involved in the decisions you make at work. And I'm not saying that you're going to be sitting there and like every once in a while you look over your shoulder and go, what do you want to do, Holy Spirit? I'm not saying it's going to be some weird. I'm going to say that as the Holy Spirit shapes you and makes you and moves you, you've actually become so attuned to who he is and what he's doing in your life. You, man, you just walk. You go. It, 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 you don't see these guys. Listen, after they wait here for 40 days, and I love the wording in Acts 2, and we're going to talk about this next week, where it says suddenly. Because it was not sudden. I mean, the noise and the fire and all that stuff happened suddenly, but they sat there and prayed every day for 40 days. Sometimes we want the suddenly, right, without the 40 days. Sometimes we're so mad at God that he didn't just, that's not how it works. So God's moving in our lives and moving through us to be people who, as once we wait, once God gives us the go, we go. We just go. All right. Now, he says something really important. And before we get into Acts 1 and 2 and 3 and we move into 4, 4 is one of my favorite um, moments in the Bible is Acts chapter 4. And we're going to talk about that later uh, in a couple weeks. And I'm just going to ask you to commit to this series, okay? I'm just going to ask that you commit. I know, I know that once every four weeks seems like a good plan. It's not. Get in and be a part and make sure you're here because this matters. And, and there's nothing you do in your life that doesn't benefit from consistency. Nothing. There's nothing in your life that you do that you want to grow that doesn't benefit from being consistent and making your life arranged around it rather than it around your life. I'm just telling you, man, when you give God the first, he blesses the next. It's important for us to be people who are always willing to put God where he belongs. All right. He says this. He says, he says I, don't go anywhere until you receive the promise. Remember, I told you about this before. Before, well, I want to, before we get into the rest of Acts, I want to talk about the before. I want to talk about what he did before. So if you just go a few pages to the left, to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, it's just a few chapters to the left of where you currently are. And I know for some of you, it's a, um, it's a, um, a digital thing, so it's probably just a swiper. You can just hit the number 16, it's pretty amazing. Um, 
just a few chapters, just a few pages before John chapter 16. So John 14, 15, 16, uh, we hear Jesus talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. This is prior to his crucifixion. This is prior to his death. But he's saying some things that probably threw them in a bit of a whirlwind. Right, he, That probably threw them off a little bit. So in 14, he talks about the helper and that Jesus is going to do this. And, and he's going to send the Holy Spirit to speak about me, to talk about me, and tell you things that, that God is telling him. That same thing in 15 and, and same thing in 16. You see this word helper used a lot. Some of you might see comforter or counselor. Um, the one I like is advocate just because it's a word I don't use all the time. So I don't have preconceived ideas about what it means. Uh, but this, this, this word keeps being used. And it's used in a very clear sense. But in John 16, so if you wanted to, you could go to John 14, you could go to John 15, and, and, and you could even hang out in John 16 and read a lot about what Jesus told his disciples before about the Holy Spirit, before he died and rose again. So I just wanted to hit this and I, because I want to really make sure we understand how important the Holy Spirit is. Jesus actually tells his disciples, don't go anywhere until you have the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about that. Just think about that. Jesus has just told them, you go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He'd given them a pretty big mission. Right? Like if somebody walked into your office, wherever you are, and said, I want you to do whatever your job is for the world. That is your job. I feel like you'd go, that's a big ask. I'll do my best. And Jesus tells the disciples, he doesn't say, okay, so you better start, you better go, like hurry, you better get to it. No, he says, wait, wait, don't move, don't go anywhere. It's got to be a bit confusing. But God, there's all these things, there's all these problems, there's all this stuff. And see, here's the problem. When you don't wait on God, uh, and then you go in your own power, then what you see as needs and problems and things to fix become a burden and a challenge and a weight on your life rather than something you can solve and bring life into. So you wait so that you can go. I, I want, this is my prayer for us during this series, and really this is going to be a few weeks long because I just didn't feel like we could cover it in just a couple. Uh, I, I want us to wait on the wind of God, and then I want us to go with the fire. And, and, and I know some of us are like, those are words that I don't use because they sound super spiritual. I get it. But I want us to wait on the breath and the momentum and the push from God's spirit, and then I want us to go with a fire, with a passion, with a desire, with a want with ultimately with something that spreads. That's my, that's my prayer for your life as a person and for our life as a people. So he talks about it in John 16. Let me just, I'm going to read one verse to you. John chapter 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. But it is actually, everybody say actually. This is funny because when he says this, if, if someone had said to you, well, well, actually, well, actually, they're telling you a couple things. One, you're wrong. All right? Two, this might sound counterintuitive. This might not sound right. This might not quite catch you the right way, but I'm just but actually So what he's about to tell these guys doesn't make sense, but it's true. But actually, it's best for you that I go away. I'm sorry. Um, Jesus, like, uh, there's this prophecy, you're supposed to come and, like, set everybody free, and you're, you do some really cool stuff, and we're going to stay with you, and we're going to, like, we're going to get crowns and stuff, and we're going to have a new castle, and we're going to rule this place, and I'm, like, super excited about that, and um, I feel like if you left, it wouldn't work. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
Like, I, I have to imagine these disciples who'd followed Jesus, who'd seen him do some really cool things, and had not even yet seen him die and rise again. That was going to be a shocker. But, but I, just, I have to imagine they were going, well, that, hmm, that can't be best for me. That can't be, like, to my advantage. Maybe some of your translations say it that way. It is to your advantage. I'm sorry, wait. So what you're saying is that Jesus, Savior of the world, Son of God, it's better that you're not here next to me. It's better that the Holy Spirit is here in me. That's what, you're saying that's what's best. I mean, how many of you guys would, you know, the whole what would Jesus do bracelet and all that, you know, uh, how many of you guys would go, it'd be cool to have Jesus here? Like it would. I mean, we'd probably have to up our game a little bit, but like it'd be cool to have Jesus standing next to me today. Right? I probably wouldn't preach. I'd probably just go, yo, you're like, you, you know this stuff too. Uh, but it'd be cool to have Jesus here, and it'd be cool when my boss comes and yells at me to have Jesus there to go, Jesus, did you hear that? Like, you should say something. Like, do a miracle. Like, so his mouth shut. Whatever. Like, just do something. Promote me to where I'm his boss, and I can yell at him. And Jesus is like, that is not why I promote people. You know. It would be cool to have Jesus here, but what Jesus is actually saying in this moment is that it's actually not good for you to have me here next to you because if I am, the Holy Spirit will not come. And if the Holy Spirit does not come, then you will not get what is best for you. So I'm just trying to, I'm just, let me, do you think the Holy Spirit might be important? If Jesus actually said to his disciples, who he'd been training and teaching, actually said to them, it's better that I'm not here with you, but that the Holy Spirit's in you. I feel like that means I should worry about the Holy Spirit a bit more. It's better. It's to your advantage. And what I love about this is that Jesus is interested in what's best for me. Jesus is actually interested in what is best for you and I. He, he, is, he's not, he didn't leave to put the disciples in a tough spot. He left to give them something they did not yet have that would allow them to do even greater things than I. Jesus is not consumed with this idea that, that you, you, you are, man, it's got to be me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to heaven. I'm gonna, I did what I came to do. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the Father, and you're going to lift me up because there's no other name by which, by which men must be saved. But, but I'm telling you, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Father's going to send the Holy Spirit, and it's best for you. It's to your advantage. Maybe you parents know that look of your kids when you say, no, no, I promise this is what's best for you. And they're going, no, it is not. It's amazing. Even at three years old, they know how to say no so well at the worst times. And I imagine the disciples were a bit twisted about that. And he says this, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, he will, be, he will come because I will send him to you, but it is actually best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the counselor. Now, in other translations, and I actually prefer the other translation, uh, would be advocate. The advocate. The advocate. I love the power in that word. I love the strength in that word. The advocate. The word is, and, and, and maybe if you've ever heard a message preached or a book written on this topic of the Holy Spirit, it means paraclete. And, and if you break down the word, it just means simply this, to come alongside. I want to send one who would come alongside you in every area, in every situation, in your marriage. When, when I can't get to your house fast enough, guess what? The Holy Spirit's with you to come alongside you. In your job, 
or lack of one. The Spirit has come alongside you. In your, your relationship, the Spirit will come alongside you. In the calling, because let's get one thing straight. Acts chapter 2, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself by a whole week, seven days. Hey, come on now. You can just wait on this till next week. But, but, the, but, but the Holy Spirit didn't show up and make the disciples less. made them more. And, and in fact, the breath that they that came into that room, the wind that came into that room, the fire that showed up in that room, actually put in them what they needed to fulfill their calling and purpose. So based on the way I read it, the Holy Spirit is necessary for me to fulfill what God's put in me to do. See, we get so wrapped up in the form, in the shape, and it's really not about the form and the shape. How many of you know our culture is built upon what we can see? The form and the shape of a person's life. If they got this, if they got that, if they have this, if they have this many followers, if they got this many cars, if they got this house, if they got this job. And, we, and, and, and I'm just telling you, it is really not about the form. Because I know a lot of people who have the form and they're empty. It's about the breath. It's about the wind. It's about the wind and the fire of God. It's about the Holy Spirit breathing in you, allowing you to actually speak the language of your culture in a way that causes them to commit their life to Jesus. That's what this is about. It is paramount that we know the advocate. And here is what I love about the word counselor, advocate, helper. What I love about that word is it's personal. It's personal. It, there is a relationship that word speaks to relationship. I, I, want him, I want him to be so close to you, he can counsel you. I, I want him to be so close to you, he can advocate for you. I want him to be so close to you, he can help you. I want him to be so close to you, he can speak to you what I've spoken. I want him to be so close to you that you can see me better. I want him to be so close to you that, that there's a relationship happening, that, that you don't have to work it out to somehow get to me, but I've done everything I can to get to you, and so that you can live in relationship with me. You want to know God, know the Holy Spirit. And I know it's and we even say the Holy Spirit. And we, 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 we say prayers like, God, send your Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit cannot hear me. You know what I mean? The Holy Spirit is one to be in relationship with. It, 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 so when we say God, we, there's this desire to know him. And maybe this is my question for you as I close up. Maybe my question for you is this. Is is Jesus' statement that it is best for you, that he's not here beside you, but that the Holy Spirit is here in you, is it validated by your experience of God? That's a big question. Does your experience with God actually validate Jesus' statement about who the Holy Spirit is? It's best for you. I, if we lose relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, then what's best for us, we lose what's best for us. And when we do that, what's good for us begins to take top spot. And we begin to find that the things of this world begin to try to satisfy a need that only the Holy Spirit can fill. We, how many of you know most of what you're trying to do in your life by grabbing this or taking hold of that or yearning for this or working for that, most of it is to try to give your life a little more breath, to pick up your shoulders a bit more, to feel a bit more confident about who you are, to feel like you've actually arrived somewhere or made a difference or you've actually accomplished something or, or people actually should notice you now. And the Holy Spirit is actually the best thing for you when it comes to who you 
are because he breathes life into the shape that God has shaped you for and all of a sudden you are walking in a passion and a desire and a dream and a power and a strength and a freedom and a boldness that you would not have outside of him. If you want more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, hello, that's the fruit of the Spirit. What do you need? More Holy Spirit. Don't push him off to the side. We love Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants you to praise Jesus. And in fact, when we lift up the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is able to operate. But I, I would just ask you the question again. Is your experience of God one that speaks to that statement of Jesus? That it is what's best for you? Or do you yearn sometimes that Jesus would just show up in your room and go, hey, can you just tell me what's going on? Like, I just need to know. The Holy Spirit's for you and with you. And my desire, my hope, is that through these next few weeks together, as you come every single week at 11 o'clock right here at 809 West Vickery, that God would begin to show you more and more of who he is and that this verse, that it's best for you, would become the truth that you build your life upon. That the Holy Spirit is going to work in you, teach you things that Jesus said, tell you things that God is doing, speak to you about who you are, remind you of the breath and the wind. And some of you need to catch your breath. Some of you are living your life with hands on your knees, just trying to make it. And God is saying, no, I've got a breath, a wind, a Holy Spirit for you that should cause you to rise up into a new place. And I want this to be your experience, that what's best for you is that you know God in a way, in a level that is beyond what you've ever imagined or experienced before. Amen.